Hey there, e-commerce enthusiasts. Let me tell you about a game changer in shipping, ShipStation. It's the ultimate platform for simplifying your shipping process. With ShipStation, you can easily import, manage, and ship your orders in no time. It integrates seamlessly with your favorite e-commerce platforms and carriers, ensuring a smooth workflow. Gain valuable insights with their powerful analytics and reporting tools. Say goodbye to shipping headaches. Visit MilwaukeeMafia.com slash ship and level up your shipping game today. You're listening to Milwaukee Mafia, your podcast dose of Wisconsin Mafia and true crime history. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Milwaukee Mafia podcast. I'm Eric. I'm Gavin. I'm Gavin. We've moved on from dirty slots. We have. So what's up for the next story? Well... I'm going to throw you a curveball here. <laughs> He's like, I discovered that there's a fourth part to Dirty No, there, 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 is a, there is a fourth part, but we're not going to do the fourth part. No, so we're going to temporarily go backwards in time before going forwards. Now, I assure you, <laughs> I have like three or four things ready to go moving forward in our timeline. But um, I put together an older one. Because I felt like it. I mean, really, I felt like it. So, so tell us the story. What brought motivated you to to put back together an old one? Did you realize that we had missed this story? And... No, not at all. So, I was reading uh, John Binder's book, uh, Beer Wars. Okay, which is a fantastic book, um, and I highly recommend it. Um, John Binder is like one of the experts if not the expert, on uh, Chicago uh, mafia stuff, Chicago outfit stuff. Beer Wars, it's actually called Al Capone's Beer Wars, but it's kind of like, I guarantee you he put that on there just to like help sell books. <laughs> because like that's what makes, to me, that's what makes his book so great, is that Capone is, is like a big part of the story, but he intentionally tries to cover all the other people who are not usually covered as well. And then he just puts Al Capone's name on it so people will buy it. Yeah, I don't know. Clever. If that, I, don't know yeah, I don't know if that was him or if that was the publisher, but I guarantee you that somebody made that decision for marketing reasons. But anyway, so I was reading that, and one of the characters in there is a guy named Jack Zuda. And Jack Zuda, for reasons I cannot even tell you, has interested me for years. So I wanted to piece together what I had from John Binder's book, plus old news articles and other sources, to put together a little story about Jack Zuda, which this is not, like, the whole thing. I've got about two and a half pages of notes here, and I'm going to skim them. I mean, I'm not even going to go into detail, because we don't need to know, for the purposes of this story, we don't need to know that much detail. But, I mean, I think there's a lot more out there about this guy. And I, and I wanted to share that today. Okay, so so this Jack Kazuda? Jazuda with J- a Z. Okay, I'm not even going to... I'm just going to call him Jack. Call him Jack. Uh, um, so is Jack tied to Milwaukee? Not really. But okay. he, but there's a Wisconsin connection, which is why, um, why we're going to talk about him. Okay, and are we going back to like Prohibition yeah. times? Yeah, okay. we're going way back. We are going way back. Yeah. So... All right, well, take her away. Okay, so this is Jack Zuda. Uh, Jack was born in 1888, so that's how far back we're going. going. Uh, He was born 
in Russia. Uh, his family was Jewish. They came to the United States, um, and uh, they bounced around a little bit, but then settled in Chicago. At first, Jack worked as a junk dealer on the West Side before he became involved in prostitution. He operated several brothels in the area of West Madison Street in the Warren Avenue Police District. Now, I'm not super familiar with Chicago, so I don't really know exactly what's like West Madison Street, but if people are more familiar with Chicago, that probably means something to them. He had a couple hotels, the Home Hotel, the Newport, the Florence, the Harvard. Um, he had the Sterling Hotel. And these were uh, not just hotels. These were places where you could go uh, for a good time. So he had that going on. He then expanded his empire into the nearby Desplain. Desplains. Desplain. I don't know how you say that. I call it Desplains. You call it Desplains. But that's probably wrong. See, I think it's Desplains. But anyway, <laughs> expands into their police district. Um, and this is where... He gets really noticed. Up to this point, he's running his own thing. He's doing fine. But he runs into Mike DePike, who is another brothel owner or pimp, who is backed by John Torrio and the Chicago Outfit, what will become the Capone gang. And John Torrio was the bomb, mob boss before Capone? Correct. Okay. I know that I recognize that name. Yes. So. John Torrio was like Capone's boss for a while. So anyway, they uh, they got into a little bit of a scuffle, but... Zuda actually ends up winning that one, and he expands um, outwardly into this new territory. But, of course, you know, that makes people uh, not very happy with him. He's also setting up some gambling operations, and his business partner in that is a man named Julius Anixter, whose nickname, his mob nickname, is Loving Putty. <laughs> I don't <laughs> understand that at all. Would love that backstory on how you get that nickname, huh? Loving Putty. (laughs) (laughs) By far one of the most bizarre mob nicknames I've ever heard. Well, so he he was sort of like in in competition with the Capone people. But um, by the mid-20s, definitely no later than 1926, um, he teams up with them. And I don't know what happened where he became part of it, if it was just sort of like an inevitable thing. Where he's like, well, I guess I better join these guys or there's going to be some serious trouble. (laughs) I think that's probably kind of how it went down. But either way, he joins up with them. um, And he helps uh, pass along some bribe money uh, to the mayor. He's he's known to pass along $50,000 of Capone's money to the mayor at the time. Uh, And the mayor was a man named Big Bill Thompson, who... uh, Definitely, everybody kind of knew was crooked. Like, I was just going to say, not really a secret. I was going to say, no matter what you said, I was going to add, Andy was crooked at the end. Yeah, like, <laughs> like I don't think this was like something that came out later. I think it was pretty well known. But he was only with Capone for a very short time, maybe a year or two, when he leaves and he joins up with Capone's enemy, Bugs Moran, on the north side. Now, this is, seems like a really dumb idea, but he does that. Um, also allied with Bugs Moran are the Aiello brothers, who we have talked about because they are related to the Milwaukee Mafia okay. family. Right. So there, there's a, a loose connection there. But anyway. Um, when he joined up with Bugs Moran, was this kind of towards the end of... Because this is around the time where Capone just probably takes 
control of everything, right? Well, yes and no. I mean, at no point did Capone like have everything, but he's definitely like this is when he's at his peak. Yeah, so like like Bugs Moran is probably a very small fish in the sea at this point. Relatively. Yeah. Relatively. Yeah. I mean, so Bugs Moran has a, a huge chunk of what they call the north side. Um, the, there's always, there's the north side, there's the near north side, south side, near south side. There's all these different sides <laughs> in, in Chicago. And where exactly the boundaries are on this, I think it's open to debate. But anyway, he has the north side. And, uh, and for the most part, Capone doesn't really mess with him too much, except where where the boundaries are. <laughs> so, you know, that's fun. Zuda briefly goes on vacation in Ohio. Why? I don't know. Um, nobody, nobody should I, go I, on vacation in Ohio. I just got to point out the fact that Gavin is most frequently vacation is in Ohio. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, should not do that. Um, it's a terrible place. I mean, except Cleveland, which is beautiful. Probably the greatest city in the United States. Well, anyway. So while he's over there, some Capone members move into the territory and snatch up some of his brothels on the west side of town, killing two of Zuda's employees, uh, which, you know, he didn't like that very much. And as he's returning and finding out that his brothels have been taken and his employees are killed, this is when the war really heats up between the Aiello brothers and the Capone gang, um, which we're not going to talk about, but we've talked about that way back when. I mean, <laughs> probably two years ago by now. So anyway, sometimes now Capone and Moran are getting along. Sometimes they're fighting. There's a lot of back and forth. I don't really know why sometimes they're friends and sometimes like they're trying to kill each other, but I guess that's just how gangs work. <laughs> Not sure. Not helping any of this is that inside of the Moran, Aiello, Zuda gang, they have internal problems. Uh, there's a couple people who they think are shortchanging them on liquor sales. So one of them that they accuse flees to Canada, and another one is killed along with his bodyguard. Uh, they're shot down and tossed in the Chicago River. But they wash up four months later along Irving Park Road. So um, I don't know if, if they didn't weigh them down well enough <laughs> or what, but they did pop back up, and everybody kind of knew who did that. And and just remember that the next time you're kayaking down the Chicago River. Oh, I'm sure they're not the, <laughs> sure they're not the only guys who got tossed in. <laughs> and then there. <laughs> Uh, around 1930, Zuda is stepping up his vice activities while the rest of the city actually kind of steps back from uh, prostitution and stuff like that. Now, I don't know how these numbers were done, but I don't know if they come from police statistics or what, but 53% of the known prostitution activity in Chicago was on the north side, which is where Zuda was. Mm-hmm. So over half, <laughs> whereas a significantly smaller portion was on the south side, which is roughly where Capone was. And this is an interesting shift because traditionally Capone had come up like in the prostitution area. He had started out working for brothels um, in an area of town known as the Levee. So that so much of this has shifted is interesting. Um, either Zuda is getting bigger and bigger or everyone else is just like not into it anymore. No, which you know, it could very well be the second one because 
this is prohibition. Like they're making millions off of booze. So so why bother with prostitution? Right. <laughs> really. Right. June nineteen thirty. Bugs Moran and Zuda allegedly order the assassination of Chicago Tribune reporter Jake Lingle after Lingle demanded a cut of their illegal gambling operations on behalf of the Chicago outfit. Now, Jake Lingle was a reporter, but he also was close friends with Capone. I don't know how public that knowledge was before his killing, um, but it was very public after, especially because he had a diamond-studded belt buckle that was a present from Capone, <laughs> which not just anybody got. So how was he, he was demanding a cut of their prostitution money, right? That's what you said? Of gambling money. Or of gambling money. Yes. So what was his, like, leverage? Was he going to say, you know, if you don't, if you don't give me a cut of the money, I'm going to release a, a news article that's exposing all of your secrets or something? Or do you know? I I don't follow you. No, so he's like representing like the Capone guys. Okay. So he's going to Bugs Moran and Zuda saying that he wants their some of their gambling money for like the Capone gang. Oh, okay, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because yeah. you you did did I just space out? Did you you did say he was a journalist, right? He is. Okay. That's where my head went was like okay. oh, is he like threatening to write an article or no, something? No, I don't as... think so. I don't so think it so. was just he's working he's literally not just friends with Capone, but he's actually working with Capone as well. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Yes. So, um, Jake Lingle is shot, killed, in broad daylight. And not only is he kind of well-known in town, but right in the middle of the day. So, Zuda is arrested and questioned by the police. Um, arrested with him were Albert Bratz, uh, Grover Dullard, and, uh, and, and their female companions. So, that's nice. Doing the questioning was Captain John Steege. Now, allegedly, and I have some real doubts about this, but allegedly Steege said to Zuda, quote, Zuda, you're doomed. You are going to die. You will be killed within 60 days. Fourteen gangsters have sat in that chair where you are sitting right now, and all of them have been murdered or sentenced to the electric chair. You're doomed. You're going to die. <laughs> and <Wow>. end quote. <laughs> this is according to Judge John Lyle, who claimed to have been in the room when this comment was made. I, I don't know that that that's something that somebody would really say <laughs> <laughs> in a courtroom. None, none, nothing less. Yeah, right? like it's weird, but um, this is what the judge and he didn't report this like the next day. He reported this later that this is the conversation. So how much of, like this is him? inflating it or his memory not being great i don't know but it's just a very strange thing to say <laughs> like hey just so you know you're gonna die yeah okay um his attorney gets him released um because they really had nothing they could charge him with they couldn't connect him to the murder even though he was a suspect um and he's given a police escort by lieutenant george barker as they're taking off they get fired on in the police cruiser wow <laughs> So that's not great. <laughs> One of the shooters was suspected of being Ted Newbury, who was the former Zuda uh, ally who fled to Canada, not the one who got tossed in the river and died, because um, that would be weird yeah. if he was shooting back. <laughs> uh, so they were they were shooting. Um, Police Lieutenant Barker shot back at them, 
Zuda and his buddies fled. Um, and they were able to take off, the shooters were able to take off because they had some special device that released a smoke screen out of their muffler. <laughs> what? So they like hit a button and this giant wave of smoke filled the area and nobody could see them for blocks. I gotta say, man, the mafia is pretty awesome when it comes to stuff like this because wasn't there a guy that we talked about not too long ago that had like the the license plates that he could yeah. hit a button and they would flip or something. Yeah, like that's years later, but yeah, he had they called it the Hitmobile. <laughs> and yeah, they could flip license plates so they had different license plates as they drove away. So when their plates got called in, it was the wrong plates. <laughs> that's so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Some weird stuff. <laughs> Unfortunately, um during this this shootout, a man does end up getting killed and it's not the police or any of the gangsters. It's just a random guy who happens to be in that area so brett's one of the uh guys who was arrested returns the next day to talk to the detectives he says i don't know why we were shot at no idea and he claims that he works for a cleaning company a clothes cleaning company um, but the police are kind of suspicious of this because they find six hundred dollars in this pocket which is a ridiculous amount of money at the time for somebody who just has like a normal, normal day job, job. Yeah. All right, so Zuda flees Chicago now after he's been shot at and suspected of this high-profile murder. He hides out in a roadhouse near, near Delafield, uh, west of Milwaukee, under the alias J.H. Goodman of Aurora, Illinois. Um, the roadhouse is, and I'm going to butcher this, on a lake called Upper Namabin? Sure. Never heard of it, sure. so I can't I can't really comment. It's a very strange spelling, but it's uh, in the Delafield area. Uh, the name of the roadhouse was called Lakeview, which is much easier to say. <laughs> uh, and it was operated by Richard Rutson, who, as far as I know, a totally legit guy. The car Zuda arrived in had license plates tracing back to Albert Bratz, which is not really surprising, uh, since they were good friends. While he was there, Zuda repeatedly called Alora Nelson in Rogers Park, which is a northern neighborhood in Chicago. Their conversations were, quote, in the Jewish language, <laughs> according to witnesses. So I don't know if this, this is Hebrew or Yiddish or what this is, but the but the people who could hear the phone conversation recognize it as the Jewish language. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, police later questioned Laura Nelson. She denied ever knowing Zuda, which is highly unlikely He's since seen, seen numerous his... calls were going in and out of this place. On August 1st, 1930, five men entered the roadhouse with machine guns and rifles. Jesus. They told the owner to freeze, as well as the bartender. Zuda had been listening to music when they unloaded their guns on him. He was hit 16 times in the face and chest. As the men left, they told the dancers on the dance floor to stay quiet and then walked past dozens of people bathing in the lake as they entered their vehicle. Someone actually managed to catch the license plate number on their getaway car, and it traced back to a checker cab in Chicago. The checker cab said, Oh yeah, I noticed a few days ago that our license plates had been stolen, but I didn't feel like reporting it. <laughs> so, it didn't really help. Zuda's death exposed a large amount of political corruption in Illinois. Zuda was a meticulous record keeper, and he had much information found not only with him, but also in various safe deposit boxes. 
payments were found made out to a Chicago alderman, a Board of Education member. Why they're they're bribing him, I don't know. A judge, a former judge, a Chicago Police Department sergeant, the chief of police of Evanston, Illinois, which is north of Chicago, and Illinois Senator Harry Starr, among other people. All of them denied involvement, particularly some of the politicians who insisted that the payments were just campaign contributions. They weren't bribes. It's perfectly okay to get campaign (laughs) contributions, which is fair. Which is fair. Uh, The Evanston police chief originally denied anything at all, but then when he was shown an IOU for $400 with his signature on it that he owed Zuda, he admitted that he did have a family member who was sick, and he didn't know where else to borrow the money from. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I don't know his situation, but I'm thinking when you know this guy runs brothels and booze and is probably a killer, borrowing $400 from him is not maybe a wise idea for a police chief. Well, and then on top of that, you know, you obviously knew that you borrowed money from him, so to say, oh, I don't know who that guy is, is probably not the best decision either. Well, I mean... But, yeah, what I, else? I, What are you going to do? Yeah, you're not going to openly admit, yeah, I borrowed 400 bucks yeah, from Yeah, I'm, I'm a police chief, and I'm hanging out with, like, major <laughs> gang members. Like, no, you can't say that. But, yeah. But then you also probably shouldn't sign a note. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So Capone ally Danny Stanton almost certainly pulled the trigger um, along with the other people. Um, why why Stanton was uh, was originally targeted was because the bullets that were pulled out of Zuda's body matched a gun that Danny Stanton had. Mm-hmm. So that seems likely, right? Yeah. Uh, a fugitive warrant was issued for him. Um, by a judge on the request of District Attorney Herman Salen of Waukesha County, which is where the murder happened. And he said, the, the prosecutor said he could be ready to prosecute in seven to ten days with the extradition. Because, of course, the murder is in Wisconsin, but everybody here lives in Illinois. The extradition papers were sent to Governor Kohler, and Kohler was happy to sign them. But Stanton's attorney said he would fight every attempted extradition to the fullest. And in fact, he succeeded because their argument was just because I had a pistol in my possession that matched the bullets doesn't mean I had it on that day. <laughs> uh, which I guess... I, I guess you can't really argue that point. Also wanted in connection with this was a man named Edgar Smith, whose mob nickname was Spiker. A little bit better, but still a little weird, too. Yeah, I think it's better than Loving Putty, but but Spiker. He had been with Stanton um, when the gun was confiscated from Stanton. Uh, Smith had previously been arrested for shooting another bootlegger, uh, and he fought extradition and continued causing trouble in Chicago while the extradition was dragged on. He was suspected of the murder of a theater projectionist named Jacob Kaufman. That's a random one, right? Sort of. (laughs) After Kaufman was having trouble with the mobbed-up projectionist union. Okay, (laughs) there we go. (laughs) Now it makes sense. (laughs) Yes. Then on July 15, 1931, Smith was shot down on Chicago's south side, and his body was thrown in the back of the killer's car. 
The body was found in the abandoned vehicle several miles away. So, he was not arrested. Stanton was not arrested, or at least if he was arrested, he wasn't extradited, so he didn't end up going on trial. So, nothing ever came of this. Um, the only thing I have to note beyond that is, in case anybody was curious, I did ask the Waukesha Sheriff's Department if they had anything on file, and they didn't. This is this is file has long since right. been destroyed, which is a shame because that so been so awesome. Dalla Field is in Waukesha County. Yes, is that, yes. Okay, just making sure I'm on the same page. With yeah, because I thought you know that would be really cool since this is you know a, a Chicago crime and everybody focuses on Capone, but there's all these other hmm. you know big gangsters who are getting killed and nobody ever focused on them so oh this would be great if i could get some more information on this but no it's it's destroyed that's that's a shame and i think i find that interesting the whole thing about like how so much is put on capone and i just wonder how many great stories are out there about non-compone type things that were happening while capone was in power that we never hear about just because it didn't involve capone you know yeah he got a lot of the headlines and then looking back now like it makes sense that he's focused on because the version of the mafia in chicago today like grew out of his group so it's like it makes sense that you would focus on the guys who won the battles even at the time the newspapers would publish these maps of chicago and like say who had which territories mm-hmm. and Although Capone ends up basically winning at the end of Prohibition, there's like at least six or seven major gangs mm-hmm. that have different suburbs surrounding the Chicago area. So any one of them, I think, would make a great story because like there's just some nasty, violent gang wars going on in the 1920s. Just- yeah. And just because you have all of these gangs in one area, mm-hmm. like like Milwaukee, yeah, they can't they can only fight so much because there's who are they fighting with, yeah, really. Whereas like down in Chicago, they could be fighting left and right because you know you walk over two blocks and there's another mafia group that right. that's on that territory or whatever. So it's just kind of an interesting thing and would be really great if somebody out there would create a podcast that we could listen to that would cover these non small Chicago groups. No, it would it would be great. And in like the Beer Wars book, John Bender's book, like I said, for covering some of these other gangs and some of these other murders that get overlooked. And he's got a lot of great statistics in there that he was able to pull out. Um he reproduces some of these maps that I'm talking about. And then he actually has a chart who was killed in which different gangs. And the Moran Zuda gang that we talked about today, like had the highest death count. Like of members or were of killing? Me- of, of members. Of all these surrounding gangs, like all of them were in gun battles. All of them had members die. But these guys took it the hardest. Like just wiped out. And I think in a previous episode where we talk, you talked about the two guys that are related to two people in Milwaukee. Yeah. They were, I, I believe in that episode we talked about, I mean, they were all killed off. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah, so, the the Aiello's in, uh, in Chicago took it really hard. And, uh, and Bugs Moran ends up taking it really, I mean, they just, everybody, and these are like the leaders, like 
there's lots of names like and some of them are in in my notes here but i didn't say them because i didn't want to get bogged down in that but like there's guys getting just like wiped out constantly whereas the capone gang does a lot of the killing and very little of the dying it's 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 interesting it's definitely interesting to see how this all played out and who were really the violent ones in all this so i forgot to ask this earlier when you were talking about this in the episode but it's it's jack was the one with all the um uh brothels right yeah okay so you had said it had said at one point he was partnered with Capone, and then he jumped over to Bugs Moran. Yes. Do you know a reason for why he would have done that? Because obviously, like you said, this was in Capone's peak. So obviously, Capone is the better ally to have. Was it just that Bugs Moran had more of the North Territory, and that's where the majority of his brothels it's a, were? It's a good guess. It's a good guess right there. Um, yeah. Like, looking back... It sounds really stupid. Like, if you're friendly with Capone, why would you jump over to his arch rival? Well, at certain times, you're his arch rival. It seems really stupid. And I do wonder if maybe that was just at the time it didn't seem as dumb. Because, yeah, like like you're saying, Bugs Moran had the North side and he had it very firmly. Capone wasn't even making a serious effort because Capone had the South Side and he had a lot of the downtown area, which is really where the money was. Mm-hmm. So the North Side was like not like a huge, big deal to him. So it maybe made sense. Hey, I'm just going to stick with who's more in my territory, kind of ride this out. I don't know. I'm not sure. Like a lot of this stuff, you know, isn't covered in the papers. And sometimes when it is covered in the papers, like, there's so much that's wrong or no, just wild guesses. Like, like you can just read it and know, yeah, that's not accurate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of like just based on what you know, yeah. you know that's probably not what. Although you got to give them credit. More often than not, they they did know a lot of things. The reporters seemed to have a better idea of what was going on than the police sometimes. So, which is crazy. Which is crazy, but like they really got down in there and and knew what they were doing as far as getting information. So, and now, the other question to this is, why do you flee to Delafield, Wisconsin? <laughs> <laughs> well, th- that isn't really unusual. I mean, I don't know about Delafield specifically, but that isn't unusual. I mean, like, Chicago guys have always vacationed in southern Wisconsin, like in Lake Geneva yeah, specifically. Yeah, I, suppo- I suppose. Which, which I guess I don't think of Delafield as kind of a vacation-y place. Well, but... I don't either, but... But if you look on a map, Waukesha County has a ton of lakes. Right. And and there and, is a there is a gorgeous lake right in Delafield. So yeah. so I mean it, it could very well be that, you know, it's just kind of grown too big now to really be a vacation place. But that maybe could be. back then because especially since back in the this era, I mean, I'm gonna imagine Delafield was out in the middle of nowhere oh, where it's sure. not right now <laughs> right. you know it just butts right up to the next city but but i bet you back then it was you know yeah. you were driving 20 minutes outside of milwaukee to get there definitely so definitely yeah so um so yeah, i don't i don't find that unusual that yeah you know just i mean so many cabins that you can rent for the weekend and go fishing and whatever and that's what that's what the guys like to do so. mm-hmm. 
Interesting. Well, we get we we jabbed a little bit more Chicago into this podcast, so I did, but I I've always liked Jack Zuda because there is that Waukesha County connection for his death. So, you know, I think that that he needs to be explored more. And um, yeah, I would love I would love a better picture because based on your description of him, this dude sounds like he was wildly, wildly successful. At I think what he, he was. was doing. I think, he and was, I would just yeah. love to have an idea of like what kind of money was this guy making. Because I think you listed off earlier that he owned like seven hotels. Yeah. And maybe a hotel wasn't very, wasn't. It's probably not a massive hotel, but it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's not going to be like a 400 room hotel, but even yeah. still to have that many hotels, I mean, it, you got to feel like back in those days, that guy was making some pretty good bank. He was. It's, I mean, because we know like after he died and like some of these payments came out, like they actually found ledgers. And I don't know where these ledgers are today. They're probably destroyed. But some of it made it into the paper. And, I mean, just thousands and thousands of dollars a week were being taken in. and So this guy was easily making millions over the course of a year. So, now the big... The, I'm going to ask you a speculative question. Ooh, okay. What in the... Cre- so there was a school board member that yes. got bribed. Yes. Why would you bribe a school board member? Is I have no tr- clue. Is he trying to get his kid into a specific school? He didn't. Ha- he didn't have any kids. I don't even think he had a wife. So I don't know. That's it, crazy, right? It is. <laughs> it absolutely is. It's the one thing that like everyone else is is police, city government, judge. Like it makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, board of education <laughs> executive. I, I I don't know. Could not tell you. And if I do a little bit more digging, maybe I could find a better answer for that. But yeah, that one definitely makes no sense on the surface. Well, we should definitely have a follow-up if you can find the answer to that, because okay. I'm, I'm wildly interested. So <laughs> Okay. Yeah, say there's there's many more angles that could be explored on this. I mean, I just... I'm putting together a podcast episode, you know. I'm not writing <laughs> freaking massive research papers here, but... But yes, I agree. That one is interesting. I'd be curious to know the story what behind the point it. of that would be. Yeah. So, all right, is that it, or you got anything else for us? No, I guess that's it. The only uh, the only last sentence on here is if you want to visit him today. Of <laughs> <laughs> the strangest thing is, he's buried in Kentucky. Weird. Yes, because apparently he had cousins in Kentucky, so. They ended up taking him and burying him there. Interesting. Yeah, so nowhere near Chicago. And if you want to visit him today. Yeah, probably probably someplace he hardly ever spent any time too, which is just right. So all right. Well, I think that'll wrap this episode up. As usual. If you enjoy this podcast, leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Check out our Patreon. We've got free books, free can be an app. be on a podcast you can get gavin to come and do a live show in your area all sorts of fun things so yeah. get over to milwaukeemafia.com check that out and gavin you want to hit them up with your information yeah so besides the website it's milwaukeemafia at gmail.com uh, send me an email i've been getting some good emails the last few days and hopefully i get a get a few more we can always use more patreon questions but um beyond that i mean just any any questions, comments, 
uh, you want, uh, you know, be nice. I'm a sensitive guy. I don't, I don't like you attacking me. But you know, if you're polite about it, I do like criticism. So you can, you can rip on me all you want because I bet you if somebody rips me apart, Gavin won't even tell me about it. So, so that's probably true. Yeah, it, it'll be, it'll be okay. So that's pro- that's probably true. But like, I'm doing my best. So you know, be nice, be nice about it. So thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll be back in a week with a Patreon episode and in two weeks with a a regular Mafia episode. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to the Milwaukee Mafia podcast. Join us next time for another look back at Wisconsin Mafia and true crime history.